there we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of our Labs Open Office Hour. We are again joined by Matt Bach. Um, it seems it seems like hey, we just we were just talking with you the other day, but also I think you were our last. No, Don, I think was our last uh, guest for the Open Office Hour. But it seems it seems like you were here just not that yeah. long ago. Well, now that I'm starting to do more of the uh, Wednesday, the workflow Wednesdays with you uh, on some of those mm-hmm. guys, which th- those are fun. I really like those ones. It is. I'm tremendously happy you've been joining it. It helps. <laughs> I like I like the because you have a better understanding of like how how the software really works than I do. Um, I've I've realized my place as as the the proxy for the audience. I'm the everyman, the sort of average Joe in right. in that sort of a thing. And so it really helps to kind of have that more technical perspective as well and kind of bridge the gap. So I really appreciate it. Great. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, today we're, we're back again to talk about um, Adobe, Creative Cloud stuff, um, DaVinci Resolve, um, a lot of the more content creative sort of focused workflow and, and uh, software applications, uh, which I'm super, super stoked. Right off the bat, we had uh, some comments and questions from YouTube. John Tibble uh, wanted to know a little bit about Lightroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I saw he he was asking a couple of different questions here. I don't remember. Um, let's see. His first one was uh, Adobe Lightroom performance. Uh, what mm-hmm. things are GPU accelerated um, in the context of the new uh, NVIDIA thirty thousand? What do they call them? Just the thirty series, the RTX thirty series. Yeah, I think probably. is what they're technically calling them. Um, and for for Lightroom. Um, so actually, this is interesting. Uh, normally, we don't even look at GPU performance in Lightroom because it's such a small and significant part of it. Um, but they've been doing more and more work on it. So they've been adding it more and more to, I think it's like image processing is where it is. So a lot of the okay. raw stuff, so converting from raw to like visible, you know, an actual image that you can see, uh, right. that I believe is GPU accelerated now. And some of the other stuff, like um, I'm not sure, they haven't been super straightforward with exactly what is GPU accelerated, hmm. but a lot of like the navigating around images and stuff can be used the GPU. Um, oh, nice. But uh, so we're, we're actually going to be including that in our GPU testing for these new RTX 30 series. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is the first time we're really looking at it. And yeah, it's not much. Uh, there's not much of a difference <laughs> in, in GPUs. Uh, and that's honestly, that's not un- all that unusual. Lightroom is so much heavier on CPU right now than GPU. Okay. Um, and that's not just a Lightroom thing. Like Photoshop is the same thing. There's a bunch of effects that are GPU accelerated in Photoshop, but like a low-end GPU will give you almost the same performance as a high-end GPU uh, because it's, oh, it's just about yeah, it's just about having a GPU that can do it uh, because it's so fast at it. GPUs are so fast at these kind of effects that it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. You're you're going to become CPU bottlenecks again. Um, oh, yeah. A way I, I try to explain it to people that aren't like heavy in, in tech is it's kind of like. Okay, you're going to travel to Florida. Let's say I'm going to travel from here, near near Seattle to Florida. I'm going to take a plane. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to drive to the airport, wait in the airport for a while, get on the plane, be on the plane for a long time, and then you know at my destination, get in a car again and drive to wherever I'm going. Uh, uh. In this case, it's like the the flying in the plane is like the CPU stuff, and the driving okay. in the car is the GPU stuff. So like, yeah, sure, I can get to the airport and. 10 minutes instead of 20 minutes, but it's still going to take me 12 hours to get to Florida. What's that extra 10 minutes? It, it doesn't really matter ah. much. So like, but okay. if I didn't have a car, then it would take forever <laughs> because I'd have to walk. <laughs> uh, so in, in, in applications like Lightroom, Photoshop, uh, After Effects even, it's about having a card that's supported and you really don't need more. Um, sometimes the thing that's going to determine what card you get isn't the performance of the card, it's how much VRAM you have. Um, so like if you wanted to have multiple 4K displays, you're going to need more VRAM ah. just because of that, not because sure. of Lightroom. It's just you need more. So um, I don't think these 30,000 series are going to be anything special for Lightroom. I mean we haven't tested it. So like there's, sure. there's always the chance of surprises. There's always like some chance that like Adobe actually built in some new feature that's only enabled on these new cards or something. So we'll have to see, right. but I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, 
I see. So uh, he, he went on to ask, uh, would I be getting more Lightroom performance from investing a thousand into my editing machine, CPU or GPU? Yep. Sounds 100% like the CPU would be the way to. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, definitely check out our articles. Um, so if you go to pugetsystems.com, you go to articles. Uh, and then when you're on the hardware articles, uh, in fact, here, let me, I can just, uh, how do I switch to my screen? Uh, OBS camera. There we go. Um, so if you we're going to our site, mm-hmm. you just go to publications, articles, yeah, we've got a lot of placeholders getting ready for the new GPUs that don't worry, there's nothing in there at all because we don't have it. <laughs> um, but then if you would go to like Lightroom here, you can do Lightroom and then you can even get it down to like processors. And then you can look at some of our, our recent testing where, um, you know, so here's all of these processors and you can look at, okay, well, which one is it worth it for me to get? So a lot of people will end up kind of in the middle here because that's where you're getting the most bang for your buck. A lot of people don't really sure. go up to like these threader per CPUs. I mean, but if you've got a thousand dollar budget, you might, um, but it's just, sure, yeah. I mean, it is a big jump, uh, but most of that performance, actually, if you really dig into this, I don't want to be locked into talking about just this the whole time. Um, <laughs> But if you dig into it, a lot of that is uh, mostly in like exporting performance. And so if you're not exporting tens of thousands of images at the same time or, you know, at once, do you really care that exporting is going to take you two minutes rather than a minute? Mm, Maybe not. Mm. In which case you take that money and you spend it on like upgrading your monitor or or something else that's going to actually really improve the quality of your work. Because it's not always like a computer's, yeah, computer's doing the stuff. But a lot of times you got to make sure that your peripherals are up to snuff too. Or, you know, your room, like this room I just moved and it's powder blue and there's not a closet door and stuff. So I'm going to be investing in this room to make it not so echoey, you know, more pleasant to work in. Sure, sure. Uh, we do have another question from Twitch. Tuchulu asks, speaking of VRAM, uh, I'm just now getting into TensorFlow. I have a four gigabyte VRAM NVIDIA card. Am I going to need an upgrade? Oh, man. TensorFlow isn't as much my wheelhouse. Uh, that's more of Don. When is he scheduled to come back on? Because last week was John. I think, John, I think next it? week. Is it I next think, week? Yeah, I think next week. So definitely come back on next week and um, ask Let Don that. Because that will... Uh, Yes, Don will Don. probably go on about that for quite a while, depending on exactly what you're doing. Because that's a great topic. It's a great uh, question. It is. My guess is what he'll say is that four gigs is starting to get pretty low. Uh, you'll probably want at least an eight gig card. I know he's really excited, or he's always excited about like the Titan cards because they have 24 gigs of, oh, of uh, right. VRAM. And, um, but, you know, I believe I it think... just comes down to what you're doing, though. Yeah, it's gonna. I think from what I remember of some of the the things that he's shown on on our open office hours in the past is um, it's how big the job is, mm-hmm. uh, like how yeah. So kind of like what you were saying is like what exactly you're doing because it, it has to move. It has to actually hold basically the whole job in memory while it crunches the while it crunches the the numbers on it so having more vram is is always better um otherwise you get weird you can run into weird issues and stuff like um i'm not sure exactly what the errors are but i know you can it'll it doesn't it doesn't like having not enough yeah it's just like storage like your hard drive like if you mm-hmm. have a hard drive that's way bigger than you need it, it doesn't really make it faster but if you right. run out of storage space well that's a big problem you've got to like delete <laughs> stuff or you've got to like turn you know have smaller you know, files you know like lower the resolution of all your photos that you have stored or something and so it's, it's going to be kind of the same thing <laughs> Isn't uh, Adobe Max is coming up soon? Isn't October. It? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, free this year, too. All virtual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, have... it's kind of weird because normally all of the sessions they put up for people to watch afterwards, like, the really right. only the difference is this time, like, well, you get into like, I think they're having some drawings for like prizes if you register. So, hey, you mind if you register? Maybe they'll get prizes. Um, yeah. And you can watch it like live. Um, but definitely, Ooh. yeah, there's anyone here who is like, you know, in the content creation, or even actually um, Don, we were just talking about the scientific stuff. He's actually registered because at Adobe Max, there's always a lot of stuff on AI and machine learning. Um, oh, yeah. There's only like sure. three or four sessions so far, but usually there's a good dozen or dozen and a half sessions. And I usually try to go to all of them because they're super interesting. Right. Um, but anything particular standing out to you so far that you uh, are interested in? 
Um, at Adobe Max this year? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's still a bit early. It seems like the first round of sessions, then they add more and add more and add more. I'm trying to remember right. what I signed up for. I signed up for a lot of stuff because I usually just try to fill my schedule with anything right. that's interesting. Um, but, you know, this is actually getting pretty odd for me. Or not odd, but interesting for me because this is going to be my fourth Adobe Max, I think. Maybe third. Okay. Um, and each year I go and I try to like go to as many sessions as I can to learn. And at this right. point, I feel like I've got the foundation knowledge, like maybe not the skills. <laughs> you don't want me actually like <laughs> creating a video for you, uh, but I have the foundation sure. like knowledge for a lot of these things. So most of the sessions, like I don't need to go to an intro to Photoshop session anymore. Sure. Um, but so, yeah, like these machine learning ones are going to be super interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot about... Um, collaboration and remote working that I'm interested in. Um, that's okay. not really going to be for like the actual work I do, but because we're all working remote right now, like I'm really interested to see like, just like what other people are doing, especially on these kind of things where you, know, yeah. you have like five editors working on a project. How, how do they handle it? So that's going to be interesting <laughs> to me, I think. Yeah, I think that'll it will be because um, that's that stuff we've touched on with other um, experts and stuff in the past too is like how things are shifting to a more remote workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, Michael Camus was talking about um, a particular tool and yeah, it's a, that's uh, it. Yeah, it's like remote um, desktop, but you're remoting into their. I, I mean, they're servers, but it's just remoting in, and then you can load up Premiere or, or whatever. Right, right, and that sounded pretty cool. Like, I think that I think that officially launched here pretty recently in the last yeah. month or so. Might be, um, uh, and there's there's a bunch of others. Uh, Amazon has their uh, what do they call it? Amazon Remote Workstation or something. It's a okay. sim- very similar thing. The problem with all of those is that, is that performance is terrible uh, because they're running on server hardware, and it's right. not made for any of this kind of stuff. Uh, so the only yeah. way to do it like well would be to have a whole bunch of individual workstations, uh, but Ooh. having a whole bunch of workstations that you're renting out, it's just not cost effective. Like you can't build yeah. up a $10,000 workstation and then rent it out for, you know, a buck an hour or what, whatever it is. So um, yeah, last Adobe Max, actually, I went to one, uh, it's basically a promo by Amazon for their remote workstation stuff. And like, they're all talking about how it's all great and awesome. And then like near the very end, there was one little slide that's like, well, what can you actually edit? And it's like, well, you're not going to do HD. It's like, yeah. Oh. So you, you can't even Which, edit HD. Like you can't do 1080p. Like, no, you, you've got to like down your proxies and work off of proxies that are like 480p or 480 higher. Wow. That's oh. well, you just lost I everybody feel... in the audience. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those like kind of first step sort of things. Uh-huh. It's like we can we're we're now at a point where we can do this, but yes, the quality is probably not that great. The overall experience is probably going to be kind of, but but at least you know we're there and we can start improving. Yeah, right? I think there, there's a multiple things that I think are going to be a, a bottleneck. Um, one, well, the thing that people always ask about is actually latency. Like, does it feel bad? And actually, my understanding is right. it's pretty good. Um, so latency, Ooh. I don't think is as big of a problem as people think. Uh, but the biggest That's problems good. are where is your data? Like, if you want to edit oh. your 4K media on this, you know, server on Amazon or Bebop, you've got to upload all of your files to there. Oh, and so either <laughs> you're going through and then you're only up uploading the selects, which means you have to have a powerful enough local workstation to work with them anyway or you upload all of your stuff (laughs) which now you're talking about like 500 or a terabyte two terabytes of data you've got to upload over the crappy internet in the u.s and right like it just takes forever or you can mail um some of these ones you can mail a hard drive to them and then they'll load it locally but then you've got to mail hard drive (laughs) like that's not going to be fast which and well i mean it could be but then there's a danger there if you're working on something that shouldn't be lost mm-hmm. you know yeah. like that that horrible story about almost losing toy story 2 because like, yeah but i mean a different situation but like something like that is not unreasonable no well in a lot of these places like the footage cannot get out of their hands um again right. this is a, a kind of an extreme example but i um 
forget where it was. Maybe it was a Black Magic event. Um, they were talking about Star Wars, um, one of the Star Wars movies, and how all of their like they would be they would shoot, and then all of their film would go into an armored truck and go in an armed convoy, you know, down to wherever it is that they were storing and working on their stuff. So it was like. Like people, Jeez. you know, saying like automatic rifles and stuff, because that's how seriously they take. Like <laughs> that is just like that. That actual footage is like everything. If they lose sure. any of that or it's taken, how many millions and millions of dollars is lost each day? Each day of filming, like that's the right. most expensive thing, is that film. Wow. Wow, that's huge. So we do have another another question from YouTube. Artac is asking uh, 10980XE or the 10900K for After Effects. It's going to be 10900K. But let me me get Let's go go to to the results. Let's go to the benchmarks. Yeah. I always got to do that. I, I never trust myself to remember absolutely everything. Hey, man, when you're juggling, what, 10, 12 different software platforms <laughs> with all kind of different testing, and it's all a little different, I don't blame you. I wouldn't. I go. don't. I always Switch. look it up, too, when I see these sorts of questions. All right. So this was uh, some of the recent stuff we did. Um, there's some weird CPUs in here. I think these have – oh, no, this doesn't include the XTs, the AMD XT or the 10980. No. Yes, 10980K. No, 10850. Yeah, all these numbers. (laughs) But because those ones are basically the exact same as the other ones. Um, But it's basically 10900K, as you can see up here, is pretty near near the top. But the 10700K is like right behind it. Uh, And same thing with like a lot of the Ryzen's. Like you get this really big clump here at the top where like there's not going to be much of a difference between like an i7, i9 or a Ryzen 7 and a Ryzen 9. Like, it's really yeah. not a big difference. Uh, the only, and the 10980XE, uh, I can make that even bigger. The 10980XE is also right kind of in that pack. So like, I don't think there's any points in getting a 10980XE over a 10900K. It's technically okay. a few percent slower and it's a lot more expensive. Um, if you did <laughs> want more performance, you would go up, really the 3960X Threadripper is the only one that makes sense. Because the 32 core, the 3970X is actually slightly slower, and the 64 core is actually way slower. Um, and that's Weird. just because of uh, After Effects isn't all that well threaded. So more cores okay. oftentimes will make it worse. Um, not always. It depends on the CPUs and how they work. It's just like the um, the XEs. Let me switch back. The 10 or sorry, the the 10 series, the um, the X series, like you basically mm-hmm. don't see much of a difference because they have such good single threaded performance that they're all basically the same. Um, so then, yeah, that's just for After Effects. Now, the couple of caveats I'll put onto this is one, Adobe has been teasing, um, adding better multi-threading into After Effects for a while. Um, there was a couple of sessions at Adobe Max last year that they talked about it as a part of a larger uh, session. So they've, they've been talking about that for a while. I don't think there's been anything official from Adobe about when that's going to come into play or even how well it's going to work. We have no idea. Um, right. But if that they does come do that. soon and it does work really well, then it might be worth like a 10980XE to get those extra eight mm-hmm. cores. Um, but even then, my guess is that it's not going to be that much better than like a 3950X Ryzen. Um, so then it just comes down, down to, do you go with the Ryzen's which are slightly cheaper, but then you don't have great Thunderbolt support or do you go with Intel's that have Thunderbolt and you might pay a little bit more for it. Um, or you just go Threadripper. Again, you don't get the Thunderbolt, but you know, you can go like that. Um, no, I actually do see it because I have chat open too. That somebody oh, too was asking about like uh, multitasking and stuff. Yeah, uh, and yeah, this is just for that one application. Um, and we tend to do our testing that way. We like we focus on one application and look at it. Uh, we rarely do cross just because like everybody's workflow is different. Someone might spend ninety percent of the time in Premiere Pro and use After Effects a little bit, so they don't really care about it all that much. Or it might be fifty fifty. Uh, but even if they spend their time fifty fifty, there's probably one that they are concerned more about. Like maybe they're already planning on using proxies in Premiere Pro, so it doesn't really matter. But After Effects, oh, they hate app, how slow After Effects is, so they want to prioritize because what CPU is good in one app is totally different than for another. Um, and partially that is kind of why our consultants are still like 
absolutely vital is because even oh, yeah. if you go through all of our benchmarks and you read it all, like being able to put it together of, okay, well, here's the four applications I use. How does that, you know, how, mixing and matching it is so hard to do. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, Thank that really is a case by case basis. Excuse me. I've had, uh, uh, I, I was, I answered a question on social media once about, about a bit of a crossover like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it is, it's hard to make a decision when it's, when all the information you have is like, I just run these two programs, which, what yeah, do I choose? And, and it's like the best you can do at that point is just, okay, where's the, where's a bit of a crossover? Like, mm-hmm. okay, this CPU is in the top five for both. So that's, that might be the right choice, but really, man, it's, it's, yeah, it's well, hard. And, it's, and it's hard too, because you get outside of that. Like some people browse Chrome and have a billion tabs open and that's going to eat up like all of their system <laughs> memory. Okay. Well, they need even right? more. Um, but I mean, most stuff, um, like if it's not really hitting your CPU or GPU much, like if it's just Chrome open or if you got like, you know, some music player running or something like that, generally that doesn't change things all that much. Yeah. Like having a whole bunch of extra cores, like it doesn't usually make all that big of an impact. I mean, just like, uh, when you're, when you're working on something, just bring up task manager and look at the load It's probably going to be like, oh, it's using my CPU 5% as I'm just sitting here idle. Like even right now, I've got a bunch of stuff open. I've got YouTube open and all this other stuff. I'm on Zoom. Yeah. um, Yeah. And I have a 10900K and it's using 4% and like 7% of my GPU because it's probably, oh, because I have OBS running too. And that's probably doing some GPU stuff. So like, yeah, that's That's not a big deal probably. That's why I, I open I open my own performance here too. So I'm on a laptop, 6700K with the 980M, and I have OBS. So I'm hosting both the Zoom and the stream, right? Uh, 1080p, 30fps at 2500 bitrate. I have at least a dozen Chrome tabs open, uh, Slack, OBS, Spotify, the chat, everything else. <laughs> I'm I'm right around 40% CPU and about 50% GPU. Okay, so yeah, if you're and, doing all that and then you want to run like After Effects or something, yeah, okay, maybe you want a little bit more course. Let, uh, let me but, open Premiere real quick and we'll <laughs> we'll see what how things go. Frames <laughs> start dropping on the stream, right? Yeah, I'm shocked. I have 32 gigs of RAM in this laptop. That was pretty cool. Huh. <laughs> um. So, oh, quick question from Matteo Parente on YouTube: uh, CUDA implementation on the playback engine. How does it work exactly in the pipeline? Ooh. Uh, so, well, for people who aren't familiar with all these terms and phrases and stuff, <laughs> yeah. um, he's referring to in the Adobe, uh, Adobe, what do you call it? Mercury Playback Engine is what it's called. It's what uh, Premiere Pro, uh, Media Encoder, After Effects use um, to leverage the GPU. Um, so you can have it in multiple modes. You can have it in CUDA mode if you're doing NVIDIA video cards, OpenCL for AMD. If you're on Macs, it'd be using Metal, or you can use software mode, which just uses the CPU instead of the GPU. Um, how does it work in the pipeline? Oh, because, I mean, usually when people ask me about pipeline, I might need a little bit of clarification from you. They're, they're talking about, like, um, okay, so you're, like, you're playing back a you know, piece of footage. Like, that's being done usually on, like, the CPU, um, and then effects are applied, and then like you're viewing it. I, oh man, I don't, I'm not quite sure exactly where in the pipeline it is. If I had to guess, it'd be pretty late. I, I would guess it'd probably try to do all the CPU based stuff first and then it would do the Mercury engine stuff. But man, that's probably a question for Adobe. Um, they've been doing more uh, live streams actually. Uh, mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. was uh, Jason Levine, I think, was hosting a couple. Um, so you might look up his uh, YouTube channel and see if he's got any live streams scheduled. Because he did one a couple of weeks ago with the After Effects devs, I believe. Um, and they would be able to answer you, uh, answer that question for you. So look up Jason Levine. And honestly, you could probably just like tweet at him. Uh, I think he's super active on social media. So he might be able mm-hmm. to give you an answer or just go into like the, uh, probably the Premier Pro forums are probably the most active for that kind of a question. But yeah, man, cool. And you know, that's gonna be further complicated now because um, 
in the Premiere Pro beta, they're adding GPU accelerated uh, decoding for H.264 and H.265, which is huge. That's going to be super cool. So I guess this is going to be my own little thing in here. I'm going to stop looking at questions for a minute because I want to talk about it because it's so exciting. <laughs> oh, sure, it's go so for amazing. it. Um, so in the last version of Premiere Pro, um, hopefully you don't hear that. Uh, the last version of Premiere Pro, they added um, GPU accelerated encoding of H.264 and H.265. So when you're actually exporting to like a, you know, a YouTube mm -hmm, preset mm -hmm. kind of a thing, it can use the GPU now and performance is amazing. Like it's so good. Uh, before you could only do that with Intel QuickSync. So you'd have to have a CPU that supported mm -hmm. it. And like, it was okay. It was okay faster. Um, but now with the GPU, like it's insanely faster. I think we saw anywhere from two to five times faster or something like that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, it was a, a remarkable improvement. Yeah. Huge. It's even on even on the lower end cards. Even yeah. it was like. Yeah, and it's like people on laptops, like like you, like in your case, like because you know, laptop CPUs aren't all like you know powerful, but you know just having a decent any GPU is going to give you a huge bump. Um, now, I mean, there's a couple of things with it though. Um, quality isn't as good because it's it's. Uh, a lot of this kind of technology came about because of streaming, actually. So, like, I, oh, I think Zoom okay. and OBS uses, you know, uh, NVEMC is what's called NVIDIA yes. encoding. Uh, and, like, that's kind of where it started because you don't need quite as good of quality for streaming. You just need to make sure that you keep your frames up. Uh, right. That's way more important than a little bit of artifacting kind of a stuff. Um, so that's kind of where it came about. And so there's some things you can't do. You can't do uh, two-pass encoding with it. So like, um, well, man, I don't need to get into encoding schemes here, but so <laughs> to say the quality is slightly lower. Um, we did a bunch of testing and like, yeah, if you're looking at like a 4k, um, export and you're like zooming way in and you're looking at two different things. Uh, like, I think we noticed the biggest difference on textures, like pavement. Um, so like if you've got a, a shot of a street with some cars, you might notice it in the pavement is a little bit more, uniform uh there's less detail when you're using gpu mm -hmm. accelerated encoding than um than the software but like eh, it's not a big deal uh but now in the uh the beta the current beta um you can download that and you can try it out they're, they're adding uh decoding support for gpus and so that okay. should be amazing and that's really huge because there are so many people now just shooting on their phones like they're just using yeah, their yeah. phone to shoot yeah and like that's great you know the quality is pretty decent but those are usually going to be recording in h264 or hevc and it's going to be variable frame rate which like right. any editing software is just going to crap out you know when you have variable frame rate uh, but now that we got gpu accelerated decoding I'm hoping that's going to make it a lot easier for people. Uh, so people shooting on phones, uh, drones too. Drones are usually yeah, the big ones. Yeah. They highly compress those files because you don't want to send up, you know, a drone and then run out of memory when it's you know, way out. <laughs> right. But yeah, so it, so that's going to be super exciting. I, I, I want to look at that right now. We're kind of in like prep for the 30 series launch <laughs> mode right, right. now. We're, like we're, we're testing all of the other cards, getting all that out of the way um, and, and trying to get everything you know ready for that. But after that, I, I hopefully want to do a little bit of stuff because I think it's going to be, I don't know, it's either going to be absolutely amazing or we're going to find out that like, oh no, QuickSync, <laughs> like it did it about as good as it could be. So yeah, like just as long as you have a CPU with QuickSync. But my guess, based on the encoding performance, I think it's going to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Jeez. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited about it. Obviously, yeah. I can rant about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, there's uh, there's some talk in YouTube about uh, Apple's new Thunderbolt three Pro cable. I don't know anything about it. Huh? Let's okay. Google it. Apple. Yeah. Thunderbolt. Redith, uh, Redith Graham mentions that it's a high-quality construction display port, Thunderbolt 3, USB 3.100 watt charging. I don't know if any other cable does that, does everything in one. It's very useful to have around. I mean... Interesting. A cable's a cable, right? As long as it's a high-quality cable. Like, I, I don't know what well, they could be doing on a cable. Like, uh, they could be using a larger gauge wire, I suppose. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't really know all that much about all that kind of stuff. I, I do know that um, Apple cables are usually pretty high quality. I know a lot of people give them flack about like um, the cables on like the laptop like the... chargers, like how they fray and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but usually Apple stuff is pretty good quality and something like a cable, it, it doesn't matter if it's going to a PC or a Mac, you know, whatever, as long right. as there's nothing active, if it's all just passive. Yeah. It's a cable. Uh, but yeah, the thing with Apple that I always tell people is like, it's a known quality. Like that, that's oh, the yeah. hard thing, even with like PCs, like PCs, you have people like us where like, I, you know, our quality is amazing. And then you've got um, some others, we don't need to name <laughs> names, but some others where like, they don't uh, not like, so much. Yeah. Like if it's not a name brand part, like, yes, it'll be an NVIDIA something video card, but what's the power supply? Oh, it's this cheap, right. like, $15 power supply. Ooh. And cables kind of do the same thing too. Like there's some really cheapo cables out there um, that are terrible. There's also some very affordable cables out there that are great. Like, Oh yeah. Um, some of the, even like the mono price stuff, some of their stuff mm-hmm. is so hit and miss. Some of it is great. Some of it's terrible. Right. Same thing with like Amazon, the Amazon basic stuff. A lot of that stuff is pretty good. I don't know. It works. It's probably not going to be up to the same quality as this, but right. Huh. Uh, Matteo Parenti on YouTube asks, never tried, but does H265 kind of solve the issues of NVENC encoder? Um, so I don't know. Uh, so H265, you basically get the same quality at half the bit rate of H264. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you can kind of extrapolate that out and say that at the same bit rate, it'll be the same quality. Um but it always gets kind of funky because as you go up in bit rate, the quality doesn't increase linearly. Like there's only so much you can do. Um, okay. it, it, it could solve some of those issues. The problem is it's a lot harder to process. So mm. um, if you're looking to decrease your export times, yeah, you could switch to H265, but that's going to increase your render times again. And at different bit rates, is the quality difference enough? I, I, I think the, it, it's one of the hardest things. It's like, what bit rate do you use? And what, what codec do you export to? Do you do A64 or A265? And man, that's such a hard question. And I think the answer is different for everyone. Um, it's just yeah. like uh, hardware encoding versus software encoding that we're talking about for like the quality difference. Some people are super adamant that like, no, the quality difference is huge and you should never use it. No one should ever do it ever. And then you have other people like, oh, I can't see the difference. It's great. Like it's just yeah. faster and it's no different. And like, that's not true either. Like it is a little <laughs> bit different. Um, I think most people, it, it doesn't really matter enough. They're just going to use whatever is fastest. Um, but I do right. think it's also your delivery medium or what you're delivering to makes a big difference. If it's going on YouTube, they're going to compress the hell out of it anyway. So like, it just right. needs to be close to, you know, as good as possible. Like, I mean, heck you can upload, upload ProRes, I think to YouTube, like, I don't know wow. why you would do that, but you can. Mm. You can upload ProRes. It'll take forever because it's huge. I was going to say, it must take like a day to process on their end. Like, they'd yeah. be crazy. Because they're just going to wow. take it and then they're going to re-encode it, you know, with whatever mm-hmm. encoding scheme they use. And it's going to be tiny again. <laughs> um, wow. So, but I mean, if you're talking about having like a, a like a, a master that you're going to store that you don't want it to be too big. So you don't want like a ProRes master but you don't want it to be, you know, H.264. You want it to be a little bit higher quality without sacrificing too much drive space. I think H.265 is awesome. Um, okay. But to me, that's kind of its place um, is like master storage um, where, you know, so file size is still important because you're storing it long-term where you're putting it on the cloud for storage. Uh, but, just, and you can take that hit for exporting performance. Otherwise, like I think just H.264 is just, it's still just the industry standard. I mean, they're already talking about H.266, I think, or something like that. And, really? Yeah. I think it's already like starting to become like defined and it's like, ah, eh, I don't know. Wow. We'll see. Huh. Uh, there was mention, uh, what is this? Mr. D. Wilkster 
I'm going to say that's probably how that's broken out. Uh, uh, he says he works at an animation studio and they use software encoding because quality is more important than speed. Mm -hmm. uh, file sizes are usually smaller for the same quality with good software encoding like Handbrake, for example. Media encoder isn't nearly as good. I wonder why that would be. Well, you have different um, encoding algorithms um, in, in different hmm. software. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too. Yeah, like he's mentioning Handbrake. Like, yeah, you can use Handbrake. I know some people like to use Resolve, uh, DaVinci Resolve for some of that stuff sometimes. Interesting. Um, but yeah, the and it, we were talking about quality before. The other thing you can do with uh, software encoding instead of hardware is you can do two pass. Um, so it'll go through, it'll encode the whole video, and then it'll go back and it'll look at it and be like, oh, we can give up a little bit of quality here and put it here because like here is just like this is my wall like i don't need super high quality here but on this sure. side i've got these like snowflake patterns that are okay hopefully going to be gone the next time <laughs> i want to stream um so like we want a little bit more quality here because there's actually some patterns and stuff and so that, what it, that's kind of the basics of what you can do with like two pass and that's uh, only available on software i don't quite know why it's not available on hardware encoding it must just not be something that's built into mm. it uh but um, so that's another reason why software can be even more higher quality than what you might notice, at least at first, if you were just to do a quick export and you just, oh, the only thing you changed is hardware to software. Um, hmm. and that was the only thing you changed because yeah, there's more settings with software. Okay. You mentioned different algorithms. If, if it's encoding the same, you know, if it's all H264, how, why would there be different ways oh. of... Okay, because like if it's a if it's a I, standard, I, you would think everybody would do it the same way, uh, uh, or is it more yeah. the result that's it, the standard? Yeah, it's the it's the end result of like each frame because and how because H two four especially um, because how it works is. Oh man, I need like a well, whatever. So H64, how it works is you have your first frame is called a, a keyframe or an iframe, I think it's called an iframe. And so that is okay. a full picture. Like if you just pull that one frame, it would be just a picture um, like you would expect mm -hmm. from a frame. Uh, but then the next frame, Oh man, I can't remember what they are. It's like B or H frames or something like that. Uh, those are just what's different from the first frame. So like, oh. if I'm sitting here and I just move my hand, if that's the only movement, the first frame would show everything. The second frame would just show my hand and that that's it as it's moving across. And it, oh. it keeps going and you have multiple different kinds. Like you have ones that are based on uh, the last iframe. You have some that can be based off of the last iframe or the next iframe. So it looks forward and back. And then you have ones that only look forward actually to the next iframe. Um, that's why it's huh. really complicated for like editing software to do like, yeah, my phone can play back H264, no problem, because it's only having to go in one order. It's just doing it in sure. versus editing software. Uh, it actually has to like every frame, it has to figure out like where it is and all of this stuff and actually generate that entire frame. It can't just show what's changed because like if you're gonna apply oh, effects wow. or something, it has to know the whole frame. Um, so there's different ways huh. that they could do that because there's like spacing of how often those iframes are can change. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's very widely talked about. Like no one knows like how far apart those iframes are. Um, Weird. And so like they can change, they, they can determine different ways of that. Uh, ju just mm -hmm. different like encoding schemes, like, um, you know, different ways of, of compressing this stuff and then actually, you know, storing the bits. You know, it's just like how you have, you know, PNG or JPEG and all that kind of different stuff. Like the end result is going to look the same if, when you go to a website. Uh, sure. But, uh, you know, it's different ways of doing it and storing that data. I'm, I'm sure there's some of that kind of stuff for the like actual encoding schemes. And that's why you have some that are like faster, uh, like hardware encoding. It's faster, but it's a little bit lower quality. Then you have like software and then you have all the different variations of all that stuff. Like even on hardware, you've got NVIDIA, NVENC and AMD. I don't remember what it is. AMD something. Um, that's their their uh, hardware encoding um, scheme, and like yeah. they're slightly different. Um, and we actually looked at the quality difference, and yeah, it was slightly different between even NVIDIA and AMD, even though it's really sixty four. It all ended up being the same bit rate, but it's just wow. slightly different. Huh? That's crazy. Uh, and 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 then too, there's the, like you the the difference between hardware encoding and software encoding like would it, it's all done on hardware yeah it's right? all done on hardware it's, it's terrible terminology <laughs> so, uh, it's just so software like, encoding is just using the cpu 
basically okay. that's basically okay. the, the crux of it is software is done on the CPU, hardware is done always... on the GPU or some other form of specialized hardware, like Intel QuickSync is hardware. Okay. Hardware. Yeah. Or you're using tensor cores or something in particular, something specific. Yeah. No, as an I example. Mean, yeah, it could be if like, you started <laughs> using that. I don't think anything uses that. Um, and this no, whole but... like, software versus hardware encoding is really only applies to like the video world. Like once you get outside right. of video, it means nothing. <laughs> huh. Yeah, because the it just that that always tripped me up in the past. It's like, well, wait, is there something different about how the GPU is is crunching the numbers than how the software is doing it? Yeah, it, and it is. is it, yeah, but yeah. Uh, ooh, I don't know if we can answer this one. Uh, Mateo is asking about the new the new graphics cards. He's saying, uh, mm-hmm. "Have you seen the video cards with a Z leaked 3080 performance benches? What do you think of the first results? Also, what do you think about the fact that next gen didn't change the NVENC chip?" So I guess uh, that last part we could talk about. Yeah, maybe maybe leaks and stuff. We always have to be super careful and never comment on uh, because we are an NDA <clears throat> partner with NVIDIA and, and AMD and Intel and all those guys. Uh, um, so sometimes we do have access to information that isn't public. So we always have to be super careful <laughs> because we don't want to be the leakers ever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, in my opinion, it's always best to wait until oh, after always. the official embargoes lift because pictures, any sort of performance benchmarks, any of that stuff that may have leaked could be faked, could be mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so whatever. I have not seen that leak, or I think I saw that it was there, but like, I never look at those because I never trust any of those things because, I mean, we've experienced it enough for ourselves where, like, there aren't drivers pre-launch often. Right. <laughs> so, like, what are they running this thing on? Who knows? And I'm not saying that's the case this time, but that's very common. Like, we have to deal with that with, like, CPU launches where, like, oh, we didn't get a BIOS that works with these CPUs until, like, the day before <laughs> launch. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth right there. That has actually happened. <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, don't worry about putting us in a bad position. I saw the thing. But, um, but it, it, it's always a, a yeah, fun thing to talk about. And um, yeah. But, you know, based on the official specs, I mean, there's some really cool things. Like, I, I think like the CUDA cores have increased like by two times on yeah. most of the cards. Uh, the pricing. I think that's been. The pricing for the 3070, I think, is pretty close to the 2070 super pricing. But the mm-hmm. 3080, if you're looking at it compared to like a 2080 Ti, like it's like $500 cheaper. And the 3090 oh, yeah. compared to a Titan is like $1,000 oh, cheaper and more cool quarters. Right. The whole the whole pricing structure is out, outstanding. I think yeah. everybody's going to be very happy. And I'm not sure why around. they're doing it. Like they have such a monopoly on the high-end market. Like... Like AMD, AMD is a competitor at like the low end and up to about the mid range, you know, around like a 2060 kind of stuff. Uh, but they really don't have anything that competes, you know, above that um, outside of like gaming. Like oh, AMD focuses heavily on gaming. And so things like Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve, like it's just they don't really compete against NVIDIA at the top end. Yeah. The Tuchulu on Twitch kind of makes a good a good point. There maybe Nvidia knows that Big Navi is going to make a bit of a bit of a splash. Who knows? Maybe. I mean that. Uh, I think AMD just had an announcement the other day about it, and it was like September. I didn't actually watch their their like announcement because it, it was one of their like we're announcing the announcement kind of a thing. So it's like eh, I'm not really all that. Yeah, I don't really care about announcements of announcements. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. But but just like you said, Houston too. Like you never never rely on anything pre-launch. Like don't believe Nvidia's charts. Don't oh, believe Intel's no charts. Don't believe leaks because they're all. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything that's from a manufacturer like Intel, Nvidia, AMD, those are going to be super cherry pick results, no matter. Oh what. yeah, and that's just the nature oh, yeah. of it. Like they're not going to show off on like this big stage during a big announcement. Like. <laughs> We're two percent faster. Like no, right? They're not gonna do that. Yeah. Like that wouldn't make any sense. So they're gonna show the things that are exciting, um, and like all these like leaks and stuff. Again, like you've got pre-launch drivers, you've got you know firmwares, you've got uh, you know, and a lot of these people that leak stuff, 
like I've, I've looked through some of it and I don't trust their testing methodology. <laughs> to be frank. Um, so Bad I wouldn't science. believe any of it. Um, yeah, so, some of yeah. it is just like, Oh, why would you do that? And, and that's not oh. even just those leakers. I'm always super surprised that there was, I'm not going to name names, but there was one product launch fairly recently uh, where uh, I looked at their, like, their big old like PDF specs, like their whole launch stuff. And I'm, I'm looking through like their charts, like, oh, they play this much faster in this test, this test, this test. And I, it was a GPU launch. So I guess that only limits it to NVIDIA and AMD. But <laughs> maybe Intel. Um, and, and there's one test in there. I'm like, that doesn't use the GPU at all. <laughs> like, yeah, CPU. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know exactly the one well, you're we talking about. It, but like, it's a CPU we don't. test, and they're putting it in their GPU launch stuff. It's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. I think someone in like marketing ran these benchmarks or something and, and didn't actually understand them at all. <laughs> and that's the thing. As a marketing person myself, I I'm telling you right now, the things that I see from a, the big guys like that you can you cannot take them even at their own word especially on their big announcement days their their graphs aren't labeled well they they won't put they won't label the axes they won't define what they what these performance gains are they'll add weird data that doesn't make sense or they'll cherry pick this one test out of 100 was super good for some reason um yeah it's I mean, it's even, just wait yeah even this Nvidia launch, I think there was one chart where they were comparing like these new cards to a 1080, but it was running like some RT, uh, like a ray tracing or something. So it's like, yeah, of course it's way better on the new cards because that actually has RT cores. The 1080 Ti doesn't have RT cores. It's like, but, right. Yeah. And I mean, even that, like that's semi-valid because like, okay, yeah, if you have a game or whatever that's doing ray tracing and can use the RT cores, then yeah, it's going to be way faster on a card that has those cores. But, you know, they don't, like you said, they don't always label that stuff well and on all that kind of jazz. Yeah. That's what gives me the most. I love data, okay? Big, big fan of data and, like, extrapolating, like, results and things. When you don't label your axes properly, it drives me nuts. Or you don't it have to zeroed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Here, the okay. performance goes I'm, from 100 getting... to 110. That's huge. <laughs> no, no, that's 10%. That's... It's not five times faster. <laughs> uh, but I, I digress. <laughs> um, there is so interesting, interesting mention of Intel getting into the GPU game. Um, that's exciting. That is kind of cool. I know. I know. This past year, I think. Um, I think it, yeah, Intel's bought up a few big name engineers from both Nvidia and AMD. They, I know what it was years ago. The Phi cards ended up being like what what their first try at GPUs. They yeah, like, oh, that didn't work yeah, out. So we're gonna really take just, the let's gem a whole bunch of low powered <laughs> CPU cores onto a card. And okay. call it something that wasn't really this, GPU. This time around, they definitely seem to be making like a serious go at it. Um, do you have any comment in that? Uh, I, I, again, I haven't. I haven't looked real deep. I, I, I wonder if you have. Yeah. Again, we got to be careful because <laughs> we do know oh, some okay. stuff. Uh, but I believe. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to talk generalities then. Um, just to be safe in case there's sure sure yeah i didn't i didn't realize we may have (laughs) yeah well again it's hard i don't think i i know anything that is not public info but again i I, I gotta be careful uh but generalities (laughs) here um your best case intel comes out and they have some video card that like competes with the high-end amd and nvidia market um i don't think that's realistic because okay. like going from zero to a hundred like that is pretty nuts. Um, I think it's going to be more likely that we see fairly low power stuff. Um, okay. I think, like something would be great for laptops. Um, kind of a situation. That'd be interesting. Um, because you know, especially because they can marry it with you know their CPUs. It can sure. be an all Intel kind of platform, and it's all better you know interconnected. And they kind of already mm-hmm. have that. Like they have their Iris graphics or whatever that's built into the CPUs. Um, and it can just be an extension of that. Um, okay. But even if it is terrible performance, let's say it's equivalent to like a, I don't know, a 1660 uh, video card from NVIDIA. So it's a fairly low, you know, low medium uh, range card. Um, yeah. If nothing else, 
it just brings someone else new into the game. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's going to be OpenCL. I think, I think we already know. Oh, I think, I think it's just going to be OpenCL. Like they're not making some weird, like thing like CUDA. Um, so it's going to be oh, like okay. AMD where they're using the, the, the open um, frameworks. Uh, at least I believe so. Uh, and, um, but that's going to be good because honestly, NVIDIA is so good with CUDA because their documentation is amazing. Like any yeah. developer I talk to, like Adobe or Blackmagic or any of those guys, and you get into like OpenCL versus CUDA or even like Metal, it's like CUDA. We love CUDA because yeah. like it's well-documented and it just works. That's because NVIDIA has dumped so much resources into developing CUDA. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have like OpenCL where like it's an open standard and like AMD uses it, but like the documentation from my understanding isn't as great. It doesn't just work as, as much right. as like CUDA. So that's why we, that's why you tend to see a lot of stuff that's based on CUDA, like a lot of uh, ray tracing rendering and stuff like Octane uh, is just mm-hmm. CUDA because it's, there's, it's so much easier for them to do. Um, I see. But if Intel's coming in and if they're going to be using OpenCL, again, even if the performance is crap at first, uh, they're going to be starting to do a lot of that stuff. And Intel is so huge and they can spend so much resources on stuff that hopefully that'll develop OpenCL like way better. So more people will start implementing it or implementing like new features in OpenCL. That'll bring up Intel, that'll bring up AMD, and that'll kind of get them hopefully to like match NVIDIA for the top end. And, you know, we might come into the, you know, the point where we have three options for not even, not just low end or medium, but even high end uh, stuff. That'd be cool. That'll be so good because competition is good for everybody except for the people competing. And honestly, Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, like whatever. I care about the consumers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, And, you know, so that's, (laughs) That's going to be awesome because even you, we've seen what's happened between Intel and AMD recently with CPUs. Like yeah. CPU performance has jumped massively since AMD really started like the Ryzen stuff. And right. I want to see that with video cards. Like video cards are still having pretty big jumps. Oh, and sure. I, and I feel like the hardware is going okay, but it's like the software side of things um, that's mm-hmm. still like lagging behind. Like gaming obviously is its own thing, but like especially on the right. uh, professional, like Adobe is just now adding GPU accelerated encoding and decoding to Premiere Pro and Media Encoder. Like that's not a new thing, but no. they're finally adding it and we'll start to see more and more of that kind of stuff. So that, that's what Intel be, getting into GPUs makes me excited about is more the software right. side than anything. I had a question. This is something that I, I personally don't understand and I, I hope maybe you can shed some light on this. Um, AMD has an APU which mm-hmm. I understand has uh, essentially like an onboard graphics driver. Yeah. Or, is it is it any different than the Intel like K right? The Ks yeah. that have a have an integrated graphics part. My is that understanding is like the, the Intel ones is a fairly low uh, graphics processing and mm-hmm. oh man, it, this is getting probably into like really heavy details. But my understanding is that it's fairly low power versus the AMD APUs. It's actually they take a GPU die and jam it onto this next to the CPU on the same like um, you know, chip. Um, okay. That's my understanding. And so it can do some cool things like um, it can pool memory and, and things like that, um, which I, I guess the Intel graphics can too. It's just, some of it's just marketing. Um, you know, they call okay. it an APU and they make a big deal about it when, yeah, really, it's not all that different than the Iris graphics on Intel chips. It's just more powerful. Okay. Um, would now that leads me to another thing with Intel entering the GPU game, would that? mean totally that good. we could see we could see a, a more robust integrated graphics yeah. processing on on like future yeah. 10, and then, 10 or whatever 20,000 series CPU. Yeah, and th- I think that's where we're going to see like in laptops and stuff especially. Um like, okay. I don't even know. Ooh. I wouldn't be surprised if the first like Intel like full on graphics are not only laptop and it just mm-hmm. comes like packaged with their CPU. That, that could be possible. Uh, maybe it'll be a discrete thing. I don't know. Um, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the first generation or maybe even two, who knows, isn't available on like desktop at all. Okay. Um, Ooh. But would not surprise me. We'll see. Cool. That Man, that's interesting. Um, I don't suppose they've talked about publicly about when i don't think so okay i don't think so either it'd be coming up if uh, i think it'd be mentioned a lot more yeah it's not a part of the the recently announced stuff didn't they announce like the 11th gen for laptops or something recently 
Um, like Tiger Lake I know Tiger Lake. Yeah, actually, we had a question about that uh, from YouTube. Uh, Tiger Lake and the IGPU uh, related yeah, to that. Yeah, I think that stuff is just laptops, and man, we don't do much with laptops. <laughs> Not right now. Yeah. We, we've talked about maybe expanding our testing out into laptops at some point, but the hard part for us is, um, I mean, it really kind of comes test? down to funding because yeah. like all the testing we do, we get basically paid via workstation sales, you know, from, you know, computer systems, you know, as a whole. So like we kind of have to prioritize our own testing on things that will get us workstation sales and laptops. We don't sell laptops. <laughs> um, right. But we've been trying to talk and, and figure out ways that we could do that. I mean, it's, it's tough because yeah, we basically have to find someone who's willing to pay us. And that's either like get Lenovo or Dell or HP to bring us on as a third party, like, yeah, don't trust us because we're telling our own. We're saying how good our products are. Trust these guys because they're an authority and they're not us. Like, because again, just like we were saying before, like don't trust Intel or Nvidia or those guys with their own benchmarks. You know, Dell and HP have the same exact problem. Um, and to some degree, so do we. Kind of every once in a while, we get someone who like, well, you're obviously just you know, you're cherry picking your results because you're Intel fanboys. It's like, well, right. okay. If you're, if you're going to believe that we're in cherry picking results when we have these giant charts like, yeah. with all the source, Heck, yes, I made a run the benchmark things. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You can run the benchmarks yourself. <laughs> well, even then they'll, they'll say that we, we like tweaked the benchmark to favor Intel or AMD. I know, I know. It comes up all the time. It's, it's, it's especially funny because it's like, well, all a benchmark does is it opens Premiere like loads of video and hits play and tells you like what the frames per second was. Like yeah, I, I we can't it. control how Premiere Pro works. <laughs> like if, uh. if they favor Intel or AMD or whatever, like that that's actually what people want to know. Like if Premiere Pro r- runs better on Intel, then like people are going to buy Intel for it because yeah. Like who, who cares? Yeah, like, get mad at Adobe, not yeah. us. Like, yeah. We're and, just showing you know, that the truth of things. Not, okay, this, this is not <laughs> true. But even if like Intel gave Adobe $5 billion to make AMD performance crap on in Premiere Pro, like again, you as the end user, who cares? Like you can be upset at that. You can complain about that. But at the end of the day, yeah, you still need to get your work done. So you're going to get whatever works better for it, you know, regardless of the ethics behind what happens to make it better on one over another. And again, that's totally not true right now because really AMD is actually probably ahead in most cases um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Intel and AMD are pretty much neck and neck. So you can go either way, but yeah, just need to put it that that's not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> uh man that's yeah that kind of stuff is always fun uh let's see here oh we're being suggested to buy clevo laptops and sell them as your own for a 30 percent markup that's yeah that's kind of how it was yeah Um, we went through actually the laptop i'm using right now is an exact exact same model that origin used to sell there i'm sure they've upgraded since because it's a 6700k but exactly the same it's just origin paints the paints them yeah, yeah. Exactly most the most of the exactly. laptops you'll get out there from people like Origin or Main Gear. I don't even remember who sells laptops anymore. Um, most of them are either Clevo or, Sa- or Sager units, Sager, Sager, whatever it is. Um, and those those are super similar because I believe they were actually it was one company at first and they were like brothers and then like they split up or something. And so huh. then one either founded Sager or Clevo or something. Um, Industry so secrets, by the way. I don't think now, that's a secret. No, I don't even no, know. Sure that's anybody, true. anybody could tell yeah. if you just go look and it, it, they, they're exactly the same. Yeah. Can't, but I, most, I most the of them out there are, are one of those two. There's a few people who do MSI, but that's harder because like MSI sells their own laptops. So right. like, uh, but yeah, man, <laughs> we, we sold, I forget if it, which one it was. I think we bounced between the two um, somewhat, but the problem we ran into is that at the, the bomb, the build materials, like what's in the laptop, like randomly would change. Um, so we would have like these laptops would be working great. And then suddenly, oh, the trackpad is terrible. Oh, 
why would they change the track that for who knows why? And, and yeah. often like Cleaver or Sager, like they, they would have no idea about it either because it's just a factory in China or Taiwan or whatever, where they, they found these other parts that they could get for 50 cents cheaper. So they're going to use that. Um, and so we had to deal with that constantly with track pads, with the displays, with the cables that would go between the displays, like it would change. So yeah. like, we couldn't repair a new laptop, you know, even if we had like old units, because like this cable is different now. Great. <laughs> okay. So we were having to keep like dozens of units that we could then Frankenstein repairs. And it was, it was just, it was terrible. So we, we dropped out of laptops just because like the experience was terrible for everyone. And it, it was a huge part of our business. Like John talks about this in some of the streams. It was something just like 40% of our it business. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we dropped it because it was just terrible. It was so much of our support tickets, so much of our time, none of our, well, I wouldn't say none, but enough of our customers were unhappy with it that it just wasn't worth it. So we just we just dropped it. You, you can't do laptops from a company our size well. Like the only way you can do laptops well is to have someone basically on that factory line in China or, or whatever and like watching to make sure they don't change stuff on you. Like that's the only way to do it. And like Dell can do that, HP can do that. No one else can do that. So yeah. even those other guys, like maybe it's gotten better now, but anytime people ask about like laptops, I, you know, I always just tell them to buy from the big guys. Like I, I've heard good things about like Razer and Razer's like yeah. one of the few like more like uh, high performance laptops that m maybe I'd recommend. But other than that, like I only ever recommend HP to like family. I, I just tell them do HP. HP seems to be a pretty good balance for me in terms of like price and quality. Their their workstation style laptops are tip top. Uh, I I had one. Uh, I bought it used, and then I never turned it off for like over two years. It was plugged into <laughs> my television and on nonstop, and never had a problem with it. It was that was outstanding. Quality. Yeah. It was great. I just wish so. a lot of laptops, if they, I wish they would beef up the power, the power socket. There are always these tiny little, little, oh, the little plugs. <laughs> and oh, I hate them. That's the, that's <laughs> one of the things that like I really liked about the old MacBooks was that like a uh, magnetic power thing. Oh, that thing yeah. was amazing. And like, I know that's not mm -hmm. possible anymore. Laptops are drawing too much power for that kind of a connector, but like that was awesome. Or at the very I least, like there, there's some laptops out there that are using USB-C for power. It's yep. like, yes, yep. everything, every, make everything, every laptop, just start using USB-C <laughs> for power, please. Yeah. It's so much better. That'd be great. But I know, because uh, especially like the laptops I tend to buy for like family, like we're not, they're, 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 they're like home laptops. So they're not high right. end laptops. They're like $500, $600 laptops. So like, yeah, I, I get that they can't, but still like, the, what's the price difference between those little barrel connectors and my USB-C port? It can't be that yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> so all right we are a little over our hour um we'll take we'll take this one last question from the great daft git on twitch he says what do you guys think of new nvidia power connector oh the, the 12 pin thing mm -hmm. um here let me i'll, I'll switch over obs because i had pulled up a couple of uh, figuring we would talk oh. about some of these oh oh I pulled sure up some of the unboxing videos i know anything yeah. in these videos we can talk about <laughs> that's right where's where, one of these ones. So, oh, no. There we go. Yeah, this is from Bitwit, which, man, Bitwit, he does, Kyle does a great job on so many things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's this this connector. So it's a 12-pin connector. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to find one where he actually has it. There we go. So yeah, so I was... it's going to be a lot of adapters that people are going to have to use. I think, um, was it Seasonic? One of, some power supply manufacturers show that they will have cables that will go directly to the power supply. So it actually still splits it, but then it goes to two of the eight pins on the power supply so you don't have to use an adapter like this. Nice. Um, I, I have to say, I was surprised at how small it is. Yeah, it's definitely smaller. I really weird. expected, I expected it to be like the, like an eight pin plus four. I, I really did. Um, and so to see tiny, that tiny, is, what is it, 12 volts or something, something crazy like that? It's, it's, I can't remember. It should be, um, well, since it's adapting from two 8-pin, if I imagine it should be six 12-volt pins and then six round pins. Okay. I don't know which, I just, is which but Yeah, I'm just, I was surprised at how tiny mm -hmm. it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. They, well, because there's so much wasted space on a lot of connectors. Uh, but the right. weird yeah, thing with it is where it comes out to me more than anything. That is like, very weird. Um, 
I don't know why it's the card. Well, and the reason in the middle, you you can kind of see it in here. Let me see if I can find a better. I'm just bumping around so much here. Um, So the PCB actually only goes to like here, I believe, um, is what a lot of them were saying. I'm not sure if it's straight on or whatever, because this fan is blowing through the card. So there's no PCB over here. So you can't put like a connector on the end. Like the only way you could do that would be to like run a cable here. And that's just more points of failure and stuff. Sure. So they have to put it, you know, in the middle of the card because that is the only place where there's actually a PCB. Oh, that okay. Because the yeah, that's that's actually the end or probably near the yeah. end of this the PCB. This is the end of the PCB. So the PCB only oh. goes to here. So they have to put a connector there. But yeah, it's going to be so weird for like cabling. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if there are some aftermarket cards where there's like a a plastic piece, like a plastic shroud Ooh, like that, like that clips on. Like that elbow thing EVGA did. Yeah, yeah, EVGA's elbow. Um, elbow power. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, this thing. Yeah. Ooh. Th- this kind of a power connector. Now that just I can see moves that. it, uh, but I could see it just like a shroud um, that just right. has that. And, you know, knowing Azus and Gigabyte and EVGA and those guys will probably be LED um, or have like some readout <laughs> for like a GPU temperature or something. <laughs> Uh, but I imagine someone's going to have to do something like that. Like even us, like our bracing and stuff might end up having some sort of like support. So like the cable comes out and then it gets like zip tied down, you know, towards the end of the card or something, uh, or like a pass through or something, something that just holds it against the card because like, yeah, that's, it's just such a funky design. It's so weird having it in the middle like that. But, yeah, I, I I get it's almost uh, the necessity of it though. Yeah, it it is, it is the necessity of it. Um, but it's also just funky that like they're blowing through here, but there's not a PCB, so there must be like some heat pipes. Because I don't think there's been any teardowns. Um, not that I'm not that it's I'm probably aware. they're not allowed to like all these unboxing things the other day. Like they're just unboxing. Like it's only the outside of the car, so I bet there's like a no teardown um, rule. But there might be like some heat pipes or something because. They've got to be cooling something on the PCB. Like having fins that are cooling nothing doesn't make any sense. So right. we'll see. We're getting into speculation there, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that that power connector is going to be interesting for us to deal with. Um, I'm not a fan of adapters, um, so I'm sure we're going to go straight to the power supply as much as possible, even if we have right. to pay for cables. Because any adapter is just another point of failure, um, and these cards are going to pull a lot of watts. So less points of failure <laughs> worth yeah. it uh all right so cool we'll we'll wrap it up there we'll say uh we'll say goodbye thank you matt for joining us uh Absolutely. for another outstanding labs open office hour and thank you as well the audience for joining us as uh for another fantastic labs open office hour thank you and especially for all the questions that yeah. is the whole point of all, all of this is to kind of get you guys into the office and kind of and and answer the questions that maybe aren't quite answered in the articles or just a little more detail on things that um we haven't already talked about so really big thank you guys for everybody who answered asked questions and and talked and engaged here it's super great thank you very much i will put in real quick um that the 3080s actual availability date is the 17th that's next thursday which means we definitely i don't know I, i think you said it was dawn next week that's um, correct. But we should, but we'll actually be able to talk about stuff because there'll actually be some like reviews out. Um, it's hard to say whether we will or not. I mean, again, getting into like NDA stuff, but um, but we'll see. Hope, hopefully, I guess is what I'll say. <laughs> hopefully, we'll have stuff. Sure. But if not, there'll be like I'm sure Linus will have stuff and Bitwit and all, all those oh, yeah. other guys. So there'll, there'll be Steve plenty of stuff. That. And some of those guys are starting to use our benchmarks even now too. So hopefully, we'll some of that to talk about <laughs> so all right uh we do this every wednesday and friday 1 p.m pacific time uh wednesdays are industry experts we bring them in to talk about their workflow and that um you know get kind of a, a little better peek behind the curtain of what they do and on fridays we bring in our own experts to talk about kind of the crossover of uh, hardware and software and uh and sometimes we just complain about how silly marketing uh bar charts are so tune in mark your calendars uh every wednesday and friday 1 p.m pacific time uh be there or we'll be sad okay (laughs) all right we'll see you guys later bye